Welcome to the Intelligent Treasury podcast series. Consumers want to make payments quickly, easily, and securely through the convenience of their cell phones or computers. They want to make purchases with familiar payment methods, whether that means using their local currency or one of the growing numbers of alternative payment methods. Today, we'll examine how emerging payment methods can help companies efficiently receive payments online by improving transparency and streamlining reconciliation while simultaneously enhancing the consumer's checkout experience. I'm Alex Wong at Bank of America. With me today are Kevin Baker from Bank of America and Tim Renew from Bank. Kevin, can you start by outlining for us the e-commerce landscape as it stands today? How has it evolved in the last few years? Thanks so much, Alex, for having us on the podcast with you today. There really is so much to talk about when it comes to e-commerce, but there are a few trends that I'd like to highlight specifically today. The first one is that we've seen the emergence of a number of alternative payment methods, including the ability to pay directly from a bank account, the increasing amount of buy now, pay later experiences, as well as the use of QR codes. Secondly, e-commerce is now truly omnichannel which means that you can buy online and pick up in store, you can return in store, or you can even order in the store and have it delivered to your home address. These new trends are making it so important for payments to work smoothly across the multiple channels that our consumers are buying through. What's also pretty interesting is that consumer shopping behavior has changed quite a bit over time. We've seen a switch from PC or desktop shopping to ordering through the phone or through an application. In a study that Bank actually ran in the UK, they found that 66% of consumers who shopped online once a month or just shopped online here and there were using their mobile phones. The use of phones isn't just something we're seeing for shopping, though. Also, on the banking side, when people are accessing their banking services, we're seeing they're using their phones and apps so much more than the web-based services they might have used previously. To put that in numbers, 74% of consumers are primarily accessing banking services on their tablets or their mobile devices, and most of them are using biometrics as well to open up their apps rather than a password. And if you think that's generally for the older generations, we're actually seeing this across every single demographic. It's not quite true that it's just the younger generations who are mainly using their phones and their biometrics to pay and to log into their applications. Thank you, Kevin. And Tim? When you think about these alternative payment methods, can you talk about the various use cases and the associated benefits of each? Of course, and thanks for having me, Alex. One obvious consumer benefit of these alternative payment methods is returns. It is so common when you return something either online or in store, you get told you will see your return on your cards within the next five to seven working days. An instant refund that you can see via a bank notification is compelling for both the consumer and the merchant. And as a customer, I'm far more likely to respend that money with that same merchant if I get the refund back instantly. Another example is for taking payments over the phone. If you take an insurance policy, for example, where some terms need to be read out before the policy can be granted, by using a payment link via SMS, the customer can securely and quickly pay with their banking app, authenticating with biometrics without needing to read out any financial information. This is a lot more secure, especially if you're in a public environment. And finally, I think... Recovery of failed payments is a great use case. In card not present situations, there will be good user declines due to the risk assessment that is made. Board potential is so small using biometrics with pay by bank, it is a great solution to recover these failed payments. 
increasing conversion and resolving a previously bad experience that the consumer had. Thanks, Tim. Kevin, can you share a story about a company that recently incorporated one of these emerging payment methods, pay by bank, for their customers? How did it impact the consumer experience as well as the company? We recently launched pay by bank with an investment platform. And the cost of processing investments for them was really high previously, given the large transaction size, and they wanted to reduce the use of card payments. They were also taking payments through bank transfers, which relied on customers creating a payment with the right bank details or the right payment reference in order for the company to process the payments. By introducing pay by bank, they've seen some really good improvements. The success rate on transactions is around 95% along with immediate back-office reconciliation of the payments, which is an added benefit. It's not just the transaction expenses they're saving, but also all the administration costs as well. Payments can take a matter of seconds to complete, and the repeat use of this payment method is actually very high now. It's been a great story for us and certainly something that's a benefit to the customer, and we hope to replicate this story across many more of our clients. That's fantastic to see the real-time impact of these emerging payment types as they stand today. But what's your view on the future of alternative payment methods in general? What can we expect in the next five to 10 years? The next five to 10 years are going to be quite exciting and we're going to see a lot of development. And I think QR code use will continue to grow and we'll start to see more adoption for both in-person purchasing as well as online commerce. Similar to those seen in Asia where the QR code has been prevalent for a long time. With the mobile phone continuing to trend as being the primary payment device, although adoption can take time with Things like contactless payments, as an example, we've seen this before, QR codes are definitely becoming far more commonplace. The buy now, pay later space will see some changes, partly prompted by regulation and partly prompted by the more widespread use of the product by consumers. User experiences around making payments, managing cash flow and payment dates will need to improve. And I think it will actually be the banks that will be best placed to provide these services to consumers in the future. I think there's going to be a large increase in account account payment adoption as well for use cases such as e-commerce and bill or invoice payments. I can see it replacing slower and less convenient payment methods, and with the potential benefits of loyalty, it can be a better option for debit card users as well. This is also going to help us see less plastics and a move to tokenized payments. There are quite a lot of fintechs out there already enabling credit accounts for customers without the card automatically loaded onto Google Pay or Apple Pay. We are also going to see some changes in rewards and incentives. Regulation on interchange fees hasn't happened uniformly around the globe. In some markets, the card reward programs have been severely depleted, and as cost of payments will be more controlled, merchants will have the ability to directly incentivize engagement and loyalty of consumers themselves. And finally, within the UK, variable recurring payments will absolutely have an impact on the purchase experience. With the ability to set up a payment mandate similar to what you see with NPP and Pay2 in Australia, one-click checkout will be more freely available, but with the control sitting with the consumer for managing it. It's really exciting to hear that the appetite and market for these emerging payment types is starting to grow from strength to strength. Here, we're already looking at opportunities to expand our own emerging payments offering to our GTS clients. And with Pay by Bank in particular, we're building on what we've built in the US and for EMEA in terms of SEPA, and we intend to have a solution for the US ready for the market by the next half of the year. On that note, we'll end it here. Thank you very much for your insights. Thank you for listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. I'm Alex Wong, along with Kevin Baker from Bank of America. 
and Tim Renew from Banked. Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the global banking and global markets divisions of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp., both of which are registered broker-dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as futures commission merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA. Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.